Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. It's the Friday before a long weekend. We have three game sevens in the next two days. The hockey world is crazy, and that's just hockey. The entire sports world going nuts. It has been a blast these last couple of weeks, and the next 48 hours going to be something special. Hopefully the next hour is going to be special as well. This is Hockey Central News, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Uh, I'm Peter Klein, absolutely buzzing in my place here in Mission. Back at Sportsnet World Control is Logan Gordon. Logo, you said in the update, nothing better than Game 7, and we get a lot of it over the next couple of days. Yeah, this is probably the best-case scenario when all these series got to 3-1. We were kind of hoping maybe one or two of them might get interesting, but now it turns out everything is happening and uh, not only do we have afternoon hockey, which has been an awesome thing, we have an afternoon game seven, which I'm very excited for. Yeah, very pro afternoon game sevens. Big fan of those. Big fan of our first guest of the day. It's a packed show. So let's get to Peter Lubardius. Flames insider Peter Lubardius brought to you by the Gemini Group. Imagine your life, your style, your home renovation should be a reflection of you. Give your home the Gemini difference. Visit GeminiGroup.ca. Lou, a few days ago, I wasn't sure if we'd even get a few game sixes. <laughs> now we get three game sevens. Uh, this is, uh, it, it really is what we watch sports for. These types of situations we're going to be seeing over the next couple of days. Well, it's true. And, and a couple of things. And I want to reflect back on a conversation that we had earlier this week about was the bubble getting in the way of people pushing back to getting to game seven? It's Apparently, um, there was lots of reason for pushback and teams to figure it out in all different ways to get there. You're right. And the other thing I wanted to bring up with you today, and I know it's not hockey, but it's basketball. Um, As I was sitting on my couch last night, I was thinking about you as that Raptor game wound down. And I must admit that, you know, I wouldn't say I'm a gigantic Raptors fan, but I really like the team because I love what Masai Ujiri has done, the hard moves. I think they've got a great coach. Um, You know, I think we all had a lot of fun. But the sports get any more interesting than what happened at the end of that game. So in one breath, I was cursing at the top of my lungs after watching Kemba Walker basically draw five guys to him and dish off for what looked to be the game-ending and maybe series-ending basket with .5. And then I see something that, you know, it gets topped with, with the OG and an OB, the incredible pass over the giant of Boston who came in for one purpose – I mean, it wasn't last night. Isn't that what makes sports so great? Oh, it, it absolutely. And just like, cause I, um, my, my wife is gone for the weekend. So I had free run of the, the whole place. Oh, boy. So I had, oh yeah, no, uh, just absolutely. I mean, look, I love her dearly, but also absolute paradise in here last night with the, the Raptor game on the television. I had 
late game, very, I, I forget where they were at. I was a little focused on the basketball, but you have yeah. late close game with the flyer season on the line on the laptop. I got the blue Jays, some crazy how in a playoff race on the, the tablet right by the laptop. So I have all three games going at like hands over my mouth, just absolutely frozen watching all of these. And then the, the Ananobi three goes in, we just moved. And this is the closest I've been to like being, we're basically on the first floor here and the window was open. I screamed and actually heard the people outside say, should we call for help? It was just <laughs> absolute. <laughs> I've never had any of those moments, by the way. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Yeah, you're, and, if I you, mean, and if you believe that you will, I've, I've torn, hotel rugs up pacing on them um i've i've had people in different counties and neighborhoods hear screams so anyway i was i was thinking about yeah enjoyed the daylight side of it myself and um you know we've had a lot to think about in regards to to sports and what it means and whether you should play or whether you shouldn't play and we just Last night, to me, is just a pretty awesome reminder of why you love it. And mm -hmm. it's, it's fantastic, and it's still life's greatest theater. It absolutely is. And with that, you get characters that you're not expecting to take center stage. Uh, enter Thatcher Demko who all oh he has goodness. done in his first two playoff games is keep the heavy underdog Vancouver Canucks in a series against the like Stanley Cup favorite Vegas Golden Knights by stopping 90 of 91 shots over two games. An absolutely unbelievable tell-your-grandkids-about performance from Thatcher mm -hmm. Demko the last couple of weeks. Well, it's it's true, and, and I love the way that you phrase it, Peter, because you know, those are two of the most outstanding goaltending performances that you could ever imagine from anyone. Like, forget about entering the Stanley cup playoffs for the first time ever in your career to do that. But, you know, for any goalie, whether it was Patrick Waugh or Dominic Hasek, or can you really have two better nights? I don't think you can, you know, when it gets to the point with everything on the line and your team needs you literally to be its best player in elimination games to put on a triple a quadruple six couple, whatever, how many A's you want. That's some of the finest goaltending I've ever seen ever in, in big elimination games. Now, you know, we'll see what the young man has left today because you know, there's a lot, there was some neat memories for me last night. Um, at the end of that game, as it wore on, I'll take you back for a second, if I can, Mr. Klein. Thatcher Demko reminded me of Latvian goalie Kristers Guzlevskis in the quarterfinal game against Canada at the Olympics in Sochi. Do you remember how absolutely gassed he was? And it seemed like Canada was never going to score, and it was 1-1 in the third period. And, you know, Guzlevskis looked like he was just absolutely on fumes. So it took me back there. But, you know, this Canucks team, I don't know what you can say. I mean, the experience, we talked about it. I, I see JT Miller had no impact again after our conversation <laughs> yesterday. Um, you know, 
I guess for some of our listeners, it, it might be difficult to, to watch and think about because we would have all loved it. I know me as much as anybody else if we were having a different conversation about a different team. But, yeah, they've just, in their own way, even when it seemed almost unlikely, have battled their way into an opportunity to move into a conference final. And, and whoever saw that coming outside of the fact that if you have been watching this Vancouver team closely over the last few years, I've liked the progression. I like their young people. And, you know, we don't need to go over it again, but, you know, Jim Benning, whether it's how he's supported Travis Green as the coach, whether it's, you know, the JT Miller acquisition, whether it's, how he upgraded and added some more veteran pieces to the defense or even guys that some people might think they overpaid for. This turned into a pretty gritty, resilient team that is getting just incredible experience. And apparently they're not ready to be done yet. Yeah, they're uh, they're liking life in the bubble. I think they'd want to stay there for uh, at least uh, another week or so. The Vegas Golden Knights have a chance to send them home tonight, as they've had for the last couple of games. And now a, a lot of the pressure falls on Vegas, as this would be back-to-back seasons where they had a 3-1 lead and things unraveled for them. This one, even more unlikely than last season. And the main question now for a lot of people is in goal. I, I don't think goaltending's been their main issue. I, I mean, part of it has been, but that's because it's the other goalie who's playing so well. Who do you think we see tonight, Robin Lehner or Marc-Andre Fleury, or, or is there a wrong answer in this case? You know what, I, I honestly, i thought about it. I don't know if there is a wrong answer, and I think how you got into the question, Peter, is what's really important. The Vegas Golden Knights have played more than well enough to have a different fate in this series. The problem is, they don't. Would you change a whole lot of what you've seen from them in terms of the amount they've had the puck, the amount of chances that they've had, the amount of shots? Now, um, you know, I think they were in the 100-shot attempt neighborhood last night. I would say that, you know, when a goalie is going really well, what happens to all teams is you almost feel like if you don't make the perfect shot, you're not going to score. So I thought, you know, Vegas not only put up 48 and a lot of good ones, I thought they missed the net probably, you know, they might have had 70 shots on goal last night if everything from a pretty good area got to the net. That's how they dominated, and that's how, you know, in terms of just overall puck possession, I mean, this is a fabulous team. I love how they play. I love their hockey IQ. I love how they move the puck. They're a really good team, but, you know, that's what sports is about. And they've run into a goaltender and a team that, just isn't interested in going away and has been opportunistic. And, you know, they're, they're like those mosquitoes that just, you know, you want to keep swatting them, but you can't put them away. So just because it's back-to-back, just because I think, you know, he's had more experience, um, I might tend to go today to Mark andre Fleury. I just, and maybe it's because I want it to be that, to be frank, uh, I'd love to see him have that opportunity despite, uh, you know, what happened in the media, which 
I'm still shaking my head over in regards to a couple weeks ago, and we don't really need to go there about the uh, picture that was sent out. But, yeah, but there isn't a wrong answer. And if I'm Peter DeBoer, I got to score. You know, I'm not changing a whole bunch. I'm just not. They've played really, really well. And as we've talked about Peter even this week, if you don't understand sometimes just the finite nature in sports of winning and losing, wasn't that on display everywhere again last night, whether it's basketball, whether it's Philly going to double overtime, whether it's, you know, Vancouver looks all night like they're on life support, but they get a good shift early and then have a goaltending, a young goaltending performance for the ages. So, that's that's sports. That's that's the beauty of it. And if you're Vegas, yeah, you're going to feel a little pressure for for absolute sure. But I'm not changing much. I, I'm really not because I just think if Vegas puts yet that game on the table again, I think I'd find it hard to believe that they wouldn't win. But here's what else I know: a lot of funny things happen in sports in one game showdowns. Yep. No, absolutely. We saw that, not to keep bouncing back to basketball, uh, pun intended, but we saw that in the two game sevens in the NBA where they both come down to the last shot. Like it's when you have that much desperation, it's it's not going to be boring. That's for sure. And it's going to be very interesting to see how Vancouver and Vegas goes that one tonight here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. There's one tomorrow as well. As you mentioned, the Flyers in double overtime keep their season alive, beating the New York Islanders and the WHL well represented yeah. in this one with uh, with Carter Hart and Ivan Provorov, the real catalysts for Philadelphia getting to a seventh game. Well, true. And Peter, a lot of times when you give up a four spot, you're maybe not always talking about how great the goalie is, but look how one-sided that hockey game was in terms of shots, again, quality shots. You know, the Flyers really, they're not in that game without Carter Hart. And was he perfect? No. Was he anywhere near as good as Thatcher Demko? No, but what is great goaltending all about? Well, great goaltending is all about keeping your team in the game. And an easy definition for me has always been good goaltending really gives you what? It gives your team an opportunity to win. And, and they needed him. And they needed an excellent performance to hang around long enough to, you know, talk about an opportunistic Philadelphia team that, you know, they don't need any more coaches' challenges. Like, what a, what a mess that's turned into. They can't seem to get any of those right, which at one point turned a lead into a 3-2 deficit. But Carter Hart was outstanding. He was terrific in the two overtimes. And then, you know, I talked about the Christers Gudlevskis memory. Well, Ivan Provorov, who, you know, I grew to be very fond of in his time with the Brandon Wheat Kings and in watching him, maybe a little less so because I'm not generally cheering for anybody outside of one team that wears red and has a maple leaf at the world junior. And we all know who that is, but that goal last night for Provorov actually, Peter took me back to the gold medal game of the world junior championship in Finland in 2016, because in a very similar situation with about seven seconds left in regulation time, who walked the line for the Russians down a goal, got to the middle of the ice, 
sent it towards the net. Now, this time he scored it. That time, you know, it needed a little help from a Russian friend in front, but took me right back to that place. And, you know, Provorov, like so many young defensemen who haven't young defensemen really in many ways been the stars of these playoffs? Like, not exclusively. There's been lots of great goaltending. We've already gone there and just finished doing that. But, boy, oh, boy, it feels like just about every team left in in the fight has somebody who is playing like a Norris Trophy-type candidate right now. And, you know, Provorov, who had a tough season in 2018-2019, really bounced back and, again, has absolutely been at the top of his game, by and large, in these playoffs. And I'm not quite sure, to be frank, how Philly has done it. They haven't, to be honest, overly impressed me, but here they are, and they were the number one seed after winning the round-robin portion, and they had a great year. And, you know, I think Alain Vigneault has done an amazing job and the finalist for the Jack Adams and should be, and I do have a ballot, and he was certainly on it, I can tell you that. Um, You know, there's the Flyers with the Islanders wondering, how did we get here? Yeah, it's it's been so much fun. Um, Well, on the Flyers, I don't think I've come out of one game thinking, oh man, loved Philly in that one. Like, And they're they're 60 minutes away. They're 60 minutes away from the conference finals, and I think they've been outplayed in almost every game they've played so far. It's, I'm again, like, yeah. the, the beauty of sport shining through, and uh, we get it in a couple hours with Colorado-Dallas. Um, we, we talked about the goalie situation, um, I would suggest, almost to death. So uh, anything outside of the goalies that you're watching for in this one today? Well, you know what? Lots of things. Um We talked about Nathan McKinnon yesterday. What I'm watching for always is generally a couple of things. The goalies, because do they ever matter more than in one-game showdowns? No, they don't. So, you know, and that goaltending story is just, especially with Michael Hutchinson, you want to tell me which which, uh, Kraskin fan predicted that one going into the playoffs? (laughs) Uh, the answer, there's not a crystal ball on planet Earth that gave you that one. So here we are in this situation. And it's always it's always about the best players. I would say this. Rick Bonus, absolutely, as you know, Peter challenged, you know, the likes of Ben and, and Sagan. Remember, it was in the second round last year in a Game 7 for Dallas that they lost an absolute heartbreaking double overtime scenario on Patrick Maroon's goal for the Blues that paved the way to them ending up winning a title and that's still probably for those guys has to be very fresh Dallas has been you know they've been an interesting team to watch because at times you're find yourself going okay I get it and then at other moments in other stretches they seem to be very discombobulated um not the most disciplined group. You never know exactly what you're going to get from certain people, but yeah. So for Dallas, A, I'm watching as a whole as they're back in the same scenario they were in a season ago. And what kind of an impact are their premier players going to have? Because my guess is, is that Colorado's premier guys are going to be fine, but that's why they play them. 
and we don't know. And, you know, I think he's an awesome story, but am I signing up for their goaltending situation in a game seven talking about Colorado? No, no, no. So unless uh, something changes there that I haven't read about or seen or if that's what we're getting today and we only have a couple hours, less than a couple hours to wait now before the puck drops, guess we'll see. Uh, And now time to close out the week the way we always do here on Hockey Central at noon, and that is with Lou's Mailbag. Lou's Mailbag, brought to you by Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. Make your summer sizzle. Enjoy Ruth's primetime menu and dine on two courses for $49. Add an additional course or glass of house wine for $10. Uh, And Lou, our question today coming from Janelle Morhan, who asks, what kind of player do you anticipate the Flames targeting with their first pick in the draft? A two-way forward, another offensive defenseman, or just best player available? I think for the most part, Janelle, most teams are happy with what they've determined where they pick as who the best player available is. Um, As far as the Calgary Flames are concerned, the exciting thing is, and it is for, I believe, every team that has a first-round pick, and some have more than one, i.e. the Ottawa Senators at number three and number five, and they're not alone, but they're in a very, very prominent situation. This is a deep draft. It's it's a terrific first round. You are going to, I truly believe, get a good player almost anywhere you select. Um, you know, as far as the wish list would be concerned for me in terms of the Flames and understanding where they're going to pick, um, would be hard to not think about maybe getting your hands, if they're still available, on a potential top six forward or even a right-handed shooting D or somebody that could add some more depth to your defense, especially on defense in the sense that You know, the Flames have done such a great job of drafting and developing and graduating defensemen, you know, to the highest level that right now the cupboard isn't quite as deep as it has been. But in saying that, I say that in one breath, but, you know, Connor Mackey's going to play and may play sooner rather than later. Haven't had a chance yet, but hear great things about Tucker Poolman another college free agent. So it's deeper than you think. Um, You know, I I have my eyes, I have my eyes on a few guys. I'm just not so sure that the flames are going to end up in that neighborhood. I'd love to see a Seth Jarvis out of Portland, a right winger. Um, Quite fond of Jack Quinn, a right winger who played this past couple of seasons with the Ottawa 67s, put up 52 goals. And then another guy that, that fascinates me as a right-handed defenseman out of the Brandon Wheat Kings by the name of Braden Schneider. I'd love to see another right-handed defenseman, especially if, you know, Travis Hamannick's days have come and gone. And, and to be honest, Peter, Braden actually at that point, at that age, reminds me a lot of Travis in style, hmm. hard-nosed, not easy to play against. Um so I even see some similarities in the type of player. He's got great leadership ability. So, and if there is a world junior, you know, and it's who knows if that's going to happen 
this go around slated for Edmonton and Red Deer. And it already looks like if it is, it's going to be played without fans. But I, I would think Braden Schneider would be right in the hunt to play in that event for his country. And, and Caden Gooley is not a right-handed defenseman, but he's a left-handed defenseman who has had a couple of excellent years with the Prince Albert Raiders, who would be another defenseman who might be found in that particular neighborhood when the Flames come to pick. And, and frankly, all four of those guys could already be gone, too. So we'll just have to <laughs> wait and see. Certainly does seem, though, like plenty of options. And uh, Janelle's going to have lots of options with her $100 gift card to Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. Uh, What a way to celebrate a long weekend. So congratulations to Janelle. Uh, You're the winner from this week's Lose Mailbag. Lose Mailbag, brought to you by Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. Now open Wednesday to Sunday at 5 p.m. Whether you're celebrating or just out for a night on the town, try Ruth's primetime menu and dine on two courses for $49. Lou, try to find a way to uh, enjoy the sports weekend, and we'll chat on Tuesday. I'm, I'm going to give it my best shot. I'm going <laughs> to give it my best shot. Enjoy the intermissions and enjoy uh, Game 7s, everybody, and have yourself a happy and safe. Hard to believe. This does not feel like Labor Day weekend to me, but apparently it is. Take care, everybody. Flames insider Peter Lubardius brought to you by the Gemini Group. Imagine your life, your style, your home renovation should be a reflection of you. Give your home the Gemini difference. Visit GeminiGroup.ca. Eric Francis Friday is coming up next here on Hockey Central at Noon. Hockey Central at Noon on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. Our lead-up to two Game 7s on Sportsnet 960. The fan continues here on Hockey Central at noon. Peter Klein, Logan Gordon with you today. Very pleased to be joined now on Eric Francis Fridays by the man himself, Eric Francis. Uh, Francis, how are you today, sir? I'm excellent. How are you? I'm doing all right. It's been uh, pretty boring last few days in the the sports (laughs) world, so kind of grinding for things to talk about. But we're making it through. Isn't it amazing, like... Not that people like you and I and a lot of the listeners, you know, it's not like we forgot about how great sports can be and how much we kind of missed it. I wouldn't say that I was pining for it through the pandemic. I wasn't missing it. There wasn't a void in my life I didn't feel like. But now that it's back, you know, live TV program, and I go, I go back to that, that golf on the, on the weekend. Anyone who sat through that and watched that putt on the 72nd hole by Dustin Johnson, you know, that, that there's the payoff right there. You know, sitting through three or four hours of a sporting event and seeing it end like that, you, you just can't script that. You can't, you, you know, there are no series. There's no Ozark, there, you know, that, that is as good as that to me because you just, it literally, you have no idea what's going to happen. There's no script. And then after that, then the, the putt that John Rahm won the tournament with, which was even longer. Um, then that, that Raptors game last night was just ridiculous. Um, uh, this is what six games in a row that the NHL, that the, the team facing elimination has won. I mean, yes, and the Blue Jays last night—that was exciting. Like, it's back, baby, and we're—it's like you know, drinking out of a fire hose. Like, we're just <laughs> loving every minute of it. And you, like you said, you got stuff to talk about. We got stuff to talk about. And it's just so refreshing. It just reminds us of what we were missing and and how much we did miss it, whether we knew it or not. 
Uh, you being a writer, look at the the stories in things. That's kind of the the job. There are so many to choose from as we go into the these game sevens. What, what's the main storyline you're following going into the three game sevens we get over the next two days? Oh, good question. You know, the the Colorado series to me, there has never been a doubt in my mind that Colorado would come back. And and I, I mean, now we're it's a coin flip as to whether or not they'll complete the comeback, but. Um, as someone who likes to dabble the odd time in the odd sports wager, uh, I did wager quite uh, heavily that the Avalanche would come back and win this series. So I'm really hoping they complete the journey. But, you know, even when they were down 2 nothing, there was very little doubt in my mind they were still going to come back. I still think they're, you know, I don't want to say they're the team to beat in the NHL because, man, anybody could win this. And I sure do like the Vegas Knights um, <laughs> if they could get by Vegas but or Vancouver. But, um, the Colorado game is the one I'm watching probably the closest. I'm just so fascinated to see, you know, this team. What a disappointment it would be if they can't complete this journey and get into this next round. Because I just think that that's a team that's built for a lot of years to be a contender. And, and not just in the future, but like right now. They could win the Stanley Cup right now. The goalie situation there obviously clouds that situation. But, uh, yeah, that's the series that fascinates me the most. Just watching... Kale McCarr dominate the way he has. Um, watching McKinnon dominate the way he has. Yet they're still <laughs> haven't won this series. It's it's quite an amazing story to me. And Vancouver's a great story too. Don't get me wrong. And and the fact that as I mentioned, those six games that I just tweeted out that stat. You probably read it from the league today, but six straight NHL games where the team facing elimination is won, and in all six cases, it's a goalie making their NHL playoff debut. You can't script that, going back to what I was saying earlier. I mean, that is absolutely amazing to be up against the wall, having to put in a goalie with no playoff experience, and the goalie coming through, and in most cases being the star of the game. Amazing. I love sports. <laughs> See, that was the Flames problem the whole time. Artem Zagadulin was the key to, to unlocking the, this whole thing. Just throw him in there. And John Gilly. See. Who knew? John Gillies. You know, we all kind of <laughs> crapped all over him, but really he could have been the key. <laughs> yeah, we, we, it, hockey is a copycat league. There's going to be a bunch of rookie goalies from the ECHL getting signed up this year for playoff runs just to try yeah. to, to mimic what's happening. Um, the, the goalie exactly. situation in Dallas is uh, a little different than some of the other situations that we've been talking about where we've seen fantastic performances from, like you've said, Hutchison and Thatcher Demko coming up with big performances. Dallas has had the opposite of that over the last, couple of games it really feels like going with ben bishop in game five turned this series in colorado's favor am i overstating that decision or are you kind of with me on that yeah yeah i mean it's uh you get it because he's been your guy all year long but he's had so many struggles coming back from injuries <laughs> not just his playoff his whole career right it's just been one injury after another and you know he's got this real reputation for having such a glass jaw and whether that's fair or not, at the end of the day, his career is going to end and people are going to be talking about uh, his injury status constantly because that's that's what looms over this guy. And, yeah, uh, looking back now, it looks like it might have been the wrong decision and it sure gave Colorado some momentum. Um, I don't know, you know, I don't know if you even consider putting him in at any point now. I think you've lost the faith in him. I don't know. Uh, what would you do? If you had the option tonight, What would you? who would you play? I think you have to go with Hudobin in this one. I just Ben Bishop did not look well in that no. game. Like he 
he, he we, we've been using the phrase unfit to play. He still looked unfit in that one. And I just, I, you have to go with Anton Hudobin, I, I think, if you're the Dallas Stars tonight. I would think so. And, and you know, it's it, it was such a questionable move to put Bishop in anyway. And again, I know he was your number one guy all year long, but you're seeing what's happening in Vegas with Robin Leonard. And, hey, I, I'm a big Marc-Andre Fleury fan as a human being. Obviously, as a three-time Stanley Cup winner, like I got all the time in the world for him, and that couldn't have been an easy decision to, to sit him on the sideline basically from the start of the playoffs and use him in a bit role. But man, it's working out. And you know, if these playoffs are showing you anything, it's forget what happened, you know, all season long. Whoever's got the hot hand right now, you got to go with right away and turn a dime. Um, in some cases, it's forced that you have to go with another guy, but. Um, Hudobin's got them this far, and he's been, you know, for the most part, been playing very, very well. Um, you got to give him that chance to run with it in that final game, if you ask me. Uh, shifting to the the Flames, um, not playing as we discussed, but still uh, forever in our hearts and our minds as well. Is there's a lot going on um, with this off season for the Flames? Anything new on the the coaching front for the Flames? Well, they say, you know, we're led to believe it's going to any day we're going to have some sort of word from above, whether it's yay or nay. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I've been pretty vocal that I think Jeff Ward is the guy for the job, especially considering that this ownership group has never had much of a penchant for shelling out for big name coaches. Uh, and I think the guy earned it. I, you know, again, going back to what I said, like with Robin Leonard and some of these other guys, they've earned it. They got the chance. And especially in Ward's case, under tremendously adverse situation, and they won seven in a row and turned their season around and saved their season. And then, you know, I guess you and I could have this debate as to whether or not was the playoffs did they take a step or slash was their progress made? You know, was was it a success in any way? And I, I still think you have to give them some credit and say, yeah, they did overcome one playoff obstacle, and I know it's technically a play in, not a playoff. But I think that was a, a significant step that the organization took. And I know that at the end of the day, they still lost in the first round. But, you know, how much differently will we look at that setback if the Dallas Stars go on to win tonight and or win the you know, West Conference or who knows, win the Cup? I mean, does that change the lens in which we view the Calgary Flames' exit this year? At the end of the day, Jeff Ward, to me, deserves that chance. Um, I'm really quite confused right now and not sure what to believe that it's still taking this long for them to announce that that's obviously not a vote of confidence if he's waited if the, the gm has waited this long into the offseason to make that decision now that it can't be good for the coach i don't think we'll see uh maybe he's just caught up watching the basketball just oh right coaching thing forgot <laughs> about that yeah that's uh that that's my theory fair anyway enough. yeah <laughs> that's fair that's fair well uh, let, let me ask you though do you do you give them credit for taking a step this year, or, or at the end of the day, you say no, they lost in the first round, and and that's all they, you know, then it was a failure. I think that we actually saw them play successful playoff style hockey for the first time with this group, and I, I do think that that is a bit of a step. And I will say, I think. 75% of their forward group took a, a bit of a step forward and that that top line still was not playing the way that I wanted them to. So I think there were definitely parts of this team that took the step that you would like to see. The, the problem I thought for the Flames was it was just the most important parts that didn't. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. And, you know, again, I've been quite vocal saying that I think it's time to 
not give Johnny Gaudreau away, but trade him away uh, as long as you can get something uh, in kind, uh, you know, in return. And, and that's going to be the hard part to me because with a flat cap and so many teams up against it, you're going to almost have to be trading dollar for dollar. You're going to get the inferior pay, uh, player on paper, but maybe someone who brings more character, grit, experience, all these intangibles that, say, a Milan Lucic added, um, you know, but but not the not the panache, not not the goals, not the offense. Anyway, I, I still think he was a passenger the last three playoffs, and I'm not convinced that's ever going to change. Uh, I know Pinder and I disagreed with this uh, last week, where he said, you know, they used to say that about Phil Kessel and all these guys, and I find it amazing that suddenly Pinder's the big defender of Johnny Gaudreau. I don't know if he's just playing devil's advocate, but I, I just I'm not a believer in Johnny Gaudreau when the games matter most and. You know, I, I they have to trade him at some point soon because he's only got two years left on his deal. Uh, the longer you wait, the less you're going to get. But then again, you're not going to get a whole lot coming off of a playoff run that he just had. So it's a it's a heck of a quandary for the GM. I'd be fascinated to know what he's really thinking in terms of is Johnny Gaudreau part of the solution moving forward or is he part of the problem? It's never boring with this team, that's for sure. Uh, Eric, thank you for your time as always. We'll chat next week. Okay, Peter. Cheers, my man. Cheers. That is Eric Francis here on Eric Francis Fridays. We will break, uh, talk some Dallas Stars before we get to the Big Show at 1 next here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Just over an hour away from the Stars and Avalanche Game 7 here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Uh, very pleased to be joined by our next guest from The Athletic. It is... Maybe Sean Shapiro. Uh, Logan, was that Sean's line or a different line that just dial toned it? Oh, okay. Dope. Awesome. Okay. Um, so anyway, we will be joined by Sean Shapiro very quickly, or we'll play a dial tone for the next eight minutes before we get to Steinberg coming up at one o'clock. Uh, this is my first time doing intermissions for a hockey game since the last World Cup of Hockey that we did. Uh, so looking forward to the Dallas Stars time machine that we're doing a little bit later on today. Pat told me not to make that joke. I made it anyway, because it's hilarious. Um, so yes, it's going to be a fun day. A couple game sevens on your radio tonight. Stars and Avalanche coming up at two o'clock. And uh, someone who'll be watching that very intently because, well, it's his job, is Sean Shapiro. He joins us now from The Athletic. Sean, how are you today, sir? I'm good. How, how are you guys? We're doing good. Uh, got a lot of Game 7s that we get to watch over the next couple days, so very much interested in all of that. And the first one, as we mentioned, stars against the Avalanche coming up in about an hour's time. Uh, the goalie situation in Dallas is front of mind for everyone who's watched this series for a moment. What do you make of how this whole situation played out, starting with Ben Bishop getting the call in Game 5? Yeah, I mean, it's the, the, the Ben Bishop, Anton Hudobin kind of conundrum from game five is going to be something that's going to be remembered from this series, no matter what happens, kind of the long-term legacy of this series, if you can put it that way. Um, it, it's, it's with the whole unfit to play. And even if you're in, even if you're in Alberta and, and there, you're not even in a media member, you're still not allowed to watch practice. I mean, there's such a unfit, unfit to play just made this whole thing kind of, we really don't know how healthy Ben Bishop was in game five. We, no one was able to watch practice to see how he looked. No one was able to get a real good feel. We know Ben Bishop told Rick Bonus, Hey, I feel good. Let me start game five. And 
and Rick Bonus said, I'm going to go with my number one when that's the case. And then two days later, you have uh, Ben Bishop being unfit to play for game six, and he's unfit for game seven, too. So um, I don't know. It, it's kind of this whole thing, and it'll be fascinating. It's one of those things that will be fascinating whenever the star season is over, whether it's today or after the next round or the following round, whatever it is. It'll be fascinating to see if any more context is given of what actually happened with Ben Bishop, because it's so hard to judge this situation. Because if they rushed him back, if they rushed Bishop back, a guy who has injury history and things like that, and then he got hurt again, that's that's kind of that's pretty malpractice on the coach. But if it really is, he was really healthy and he did something else in that game that had nothing to do with the other thing, then it's fine. It, I mean, this whole thing without without context requires us to as much as we want to jump on judgment of it I, you can't judge until more information comes out once they get out of the bubble and it would have obviously behoove the stars whenever that time is right to give some more information because otherwise it's just it, it looks like a bad decision it looks like they mishandled things really poorly and Ben Bishop starting game five is not why they lost game five that was Colorado steamrolling Dallas no matter who was in goal in that first period but it is a decision that is going to be remembered for a while in Dallas. And I'm sure it's something that there are people in upper management and there's people who own the stars that will be thinking about that type of decision when they just figure when they start thinking about Rick bonuses, interim tech. Well, and, and that's what I was going to ask is, is Rick bonus yeah. coaching for his job today based on this? I think, yes, I, yes, he is. Um, Rick Bonus is coaching for his job, and it's not even – I don't even know if a winning today – I don't know if a win today guarantees Rick Bonus gets the interim tag removed. I do know that if a win today for Rick Bonus means the Stars will have to heavily consider him for the head coaching job, and Jim Neal will definitely consider him. If they lose today, I think Rick Bonus it, Bonus has probably sealed his fate as not going to be get this job full-time because – you can't be up three to one in the series. You can't let three slip away. And even if they play well today, you can't have a team that's in this window and with, with an older team with where Pavelski and Ben and Sagan are and everything like that, where they're in this window. It's not like this is a Vancouver team where in theory, they've got two or three years to kind of work and build up with a team that's supposedly in a window. You can't fall out of a series like this and show up the way you did in game five and yeah, in game five and six, even before it got to game seven. So Rick Bonus for for his job to be the head coach in Dallas full time, he has to win today for that to even be an option. If he doesn't win today, I don't see how there's not a new coach in Dallas whenever the twenty twenty one season starts, whenever that is. Um, yeah, it's I, I think this whole situation with Dallas is so fascinating. And one of the points I think is lost that you brought up goaltending wasn't the only issue over these last couple of games whatever the stars had in the first four games of this series is way gone now as Colorado is dictating things what have you seen change from the stars in their play in front of the goalie over the last couple of games yeah I mean one of the biggest things we saw was the is there's been there's been two major things I've noticed the first one is the stars starts have been they were starting strong they were they were getting right off the bat in the first four games of the series, particularly game four. They were coming out, and whether it was offensively or physically, whatever it was, they were setting the tone right away. And the Stars, and it's something that's always kind of defined, I think, Jamie Benn throughout his career, too, is when, 
when Jamie Ben and the stars are physical or creating chances on their first two, three shifts, you know, things are going to go well that night. And that's what we saw in the first, first four games of the series is Dallas really kind of jumped out to that three, one series lead. And as we saw in game five, they, they didn't show up at all in the first period in game six, they, they were there and they had an okay start, but they just didn't have any of that killer instinct at all to start. And I mean, this is a, the Michael Hutchinson story is tremendous, but we have to remember it's Michael Hutchinson. He's a third string goalie. The stars haven't even really tested him. And it's been that lack of kind of a dynamic start and, and killer instinct. And it's, it's just, they're not, they're not, they're not getting any of that. And that kind of starts with the, the biggest line. We talk about Ben Sagan and Radulov. There we look at game six. So we look at game six and the, the two guys who lead the stars in shots, in game six are Taylor Fadoon and Jamie Alexiak. The Stars can't win a series. They can't win a game against Colorado if your fourth and sixth defensemen are leading the team in shots on goal. Yeah, that seems like a problem. That, that seems that, that seems yeah. like a bit of an issue. Um, so uh, aside from having the, the big guys show up, is there an adjustment that you think the Stars make going into this one? I think they. I don't know if it's an adjustment, but I think it's a readjustment. I guess to back to you take a look back at what was working in the first couple games, and you look at kind of that message of can we get that big line going right away? And it's one of those things where it's not tactical. It's 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 purely an emotional, mental thing. I think. I really think it is as much of. Oh, I, I think whether Dallas wins or loses this game will come down to whether those big-name players come into this game saying Dallas will win or lose. I, I really think it comes down to that. I really think these teams have seen too much of each other. This will be the eighth game they've played in the playoffs since they also played a round-robin game against each other. So there's there's nothing tactical I think either team can do. I really think this comes down to Jamie Benn, Tyler Sagan, Alexander Radulov basically saying, we know Nathan McKinnon's going to score two tonight. We have to be better than that. And I, I really think it comes down to that. Uh, Sean, there's going to be no shortage of things to, uh, to write about coming out of this game, regardless of how it goes. Uh, try to enjoy some of it today, and we'll chat again soon. Yep, thanks for having me, guys. Thank you. There is Sean Shapiro from The Athletic here on Sportsnet 960 Defend. Let's close out the week here. Hockey Central at noon. Um, our friends at Bacardi providing us with the... Uh, spiciest moment of the week, of course. Uh, every Friday, you'll hear it here on uh, Hockey Central at noon. Could be a big hit, big goal, someone with a big mouth. Well, time will tell. The spiciest moment will also be posted on Sportsnet 960 Facebook and Twitter pages. In case you missed it, look for the hashtag, That's Spice. Um, it takes a real captain to make a bold choice made with aged rum for smoothness and blended with natural spices. Try Bacardi Spiced for your next home game. And this week's spiciest moment provided by Eric DeHatchuk. I think we're, we're watching, you know, I've been doing it for 40 some years and we are watching one of the great individual playoff performances of all time. But, and, you know, if they can get through Dallas, I mean, I, you know, that, that I guess the part of me that has, you know, like a 1% interest in being a hockey historian wants him to get through the next round, because I want to see, what he does against uh, Vegas. I think Colorado Vegas could be a spectacular Western conference final. And, um, and I want to see if, you know, if he's able to will his team past them, because, you know, the one, if, if it gets to that point, on the one hand, you're going to have Vegas with these two unbelievable goaltenders. And, you know, unless they get Francois back, it'll be Michael Hutchinson. So, 
that'll be a challenge and that'll be a test. And, um, you know, he won't be able to stop the puck, but, uh, but he sure can drive the offense. So, yeah, you're right. He's, um, he's, he's real special, has been for a while. And if he keeps this up, um, you know, we're going to be talking about him, uh, you know, among the, the greatest players of all time. Yeah, I think that's fair.